0: To recap a little bit from from yesterday, we said that the Ramchal, when he paints the picture of Jesus, he describes the struggle for initial spiritual connection as a battle against the clogging up of the spiritual system, which is advanced and enhanced by different factors in the external world and in chapter 9 he explains them and he says that there is a direct relationship between what he calls the mafside Hazrizus, the factors which inhibit this initial emergence of a spiritual self, and they are directly synonymous with Magdilei ha'atzlo, those things which promote atzlos, which we des- described as the suppression of innate potential. And he says, what are these things that stop potential from being realized? They are as follows: Hagodol who by koshes it's the search for physical rest, the sinas and the hatred of effort, the, and the love of the pleasures of the flesh to the nth degree. And he goes on to say, adam a person who is searching for physical rest, trying to avoid putting effort into things and out there to indulge spiritual endeavors become dulled and suppressed the burden of his life doesn't allow for him to go beyond the limitations of his search for physical satiation it's a very interesting thing it's a very interesting thing that we don't do we don't appreciate the degree to which the indulgence in the physical world is a compromise on our persona. I'll give you an example and it's quite a strange phenomenon but I would suggest that, I mean in Yeshiva, it's, it's quite interesting but in the world, the whole area of, 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 of physical pleasure has reached in the Western society, in the affluent Western society has reached new levels in terms of the kind of pleasures being offered and the degree to which those pleasures are being offered to the extent that something as basic as feeding your body has shifted from nutrition to recreation Eating has become not a mechanism whereby you gain the sufficient nutrients for your body but to many people, and myself included, it's become a way of spending time. And it's interesting, I was having this discussion with my wife and discussing how men and women eat differently. Because I think food has become such a focal point in modern Western society. I don't know if there's ever been as many restaurants and coffee houses and the variety of foods. People growing up in the backwaters of the universe... South Africa and England never were exposed to anything but a very, very standard version of food. I don't know if you missed that era, Dean, but like, it was like the, the, the most exotic food that would ever be possible to comprehend was a Chinese restaurant. There's nothing, there nothing beyond that. There was no, sushi had not yet been invented in the Western world. It wasn't. It was, or your, your selection of food was pretty limited and there were far less, physically, restaurants around so food has become a major issue and I was discussing with my wife the notion of recreational eating over a sandwich some tea on the side and a little biscuit to dip gently in the sea until it got to the right level level of consistency that you could just put into your mouth and it would melt gently on your tongue and as I was sitting there, between biscuits of course focusing on her, between biscuits of course and she was speaking to me uh, we're discussing this. Is actually, fictitious, but we did have a discussion. Um, we're discussing the way pe- the reason why people eat, and she said, probably based on me primarily, that she feels that men are into food, um, whereas women are into eating. So I said, that's interesting. I, I thought the two kind of would often go together. <laughs> she explained herself by saying that women. Eat for an emotional need. Something goes wrong. The best thing you can possibly do is eat a chocolate bar. it's, just, it's, 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 it's cause and effect. If something goes wrong, you will eat chocolate, and then it's unclear. And then the un- and then is the un- then is: will you feel worse? Will you feel better? you feel? I'm, I'm not clear what the and un- then and then is. But there's an emotional need. In other words, you don't you don't value the chocolate. You're not into the chocolate. Whereas I'm into the chocolate. I mean to the texture, I mean to the taste, I mean to the consistency, I mean to the way it kind of caresses my tongue or my tongue caresses it as it gently makes its way to the back of my tongue and then slides down my throat with just ease and deliciousness. Not that i mean to food, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I am. So so it's a different kind of experience when, you, when, you, when you're eating for food and when you're eating for emotional satiation but both of them move the shift, they shift the focus of the act of eating from one of the nutrition providing enough sustenance so that my body can continue that's where it's shifted from to this act has an intrinsic value in itself and therefore the factors which come under consideration aren't nutritional so I don't choose the meal that has the best balance of nutrients for me at this particular point of time rather I choose the meal that's the tastiest even though maybe nutritionally counterproductive it's one nafkamina practical halakhic difference. The other one is that hunger doesn't really play such a major part. (laughs) Ironically. People don't need to be hungry to eat. So what's happening on on, on an interesting physiological level is all these built-in mechanisms for eating that the body is designed to provide us with, we're playing havoc with them. Because hunger is kind of, okay, A body says to to me, me and my body, we have a bit of a dialogue, um, Siegel, time to eat some more. I've finished processing the last kind of bite of food and uh, looks like we're ready to go. (laughs) Let's ingest some more food. So that voice very rarely comes because I preempted hours before I'm hungry. I indulge in some delicious delicacy. And some type of vague rationalization that this is what I need because, and then the because also becomes like lost in the midst of something. It's a very interesting point. It's a very interesting point that, that that's called a Magdile Ha'atzla. Because when a person becomes into food for food's sake, so it becomes a limiting factor, not a, becomes a very limiting factor in many different areas and not a, Enhancing factor. Just let me illustrate how those factors become limiting. A person becomes then, he becomes used to food as recreation and then he starts to actually need the food for recreational purposes. And when he's deprived of that kind of food stuff, he actually like, experiences something akin to withdrawal. He feels that it's a little bit, I mean it's an extreme example, but a little bit like an addict. That you need it, you can't not have it. Um, and that's really limiting. Addiction is always kind of <laughs> limiting for proactive behavior because you always get stuck back. And so you can't do certain things, you can't go a certain bases. The way the Ramchal beautifully puts it, he says, Will you stop your meal to go to have a Mincha? You just sat down. Imagine, there's one Mincha going on. There's one Mincha going on, and you have just been served the most delectable medium rare 500 gram three inch thick so loin steak i mean just tss, can you hear it in the grill mm, lightly charcoal brown on the top slightly pink in the middle crisp and deliciously tender and you're about two fork falls through and you've got this entire majestic vista of the steak in front of you and as your fork is gently headed with Tremendous art of the culinary expert and placed upon your tongue. The call comes for Mincha, 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 <laughs> and the spiritual chimes of that call somehow sound dulled at this point in your life. So you say, Hmm, is there another Mincha? <laughs> so the voice comes out, No. So you say, So then you start to come up with elaborate. Reasonings which are halakhically based As to how better it is When you're daven by yourself And you start to say that, you know, the truth is The truth is, there's no real halakhic Mandate that you have to daven with ten people If there are ten people around And, and they happen to, you know, then, then it's, a, it's a Great thing, but it's not, and the truth is you know Recently I've been feeling pressured By peer group, peer groups in, in, in the shul environment, and I feel that I need to kind of, if I really want to connect To God, I have to open these up a little bit you know, it's futile for me to go diving in fact, it would be wrong, it would be destructive what I need to do is spend some time later in the afternoon deeply communicating with God, and that's much better and then you say uh, you look at him and you think, oh, they're not going to buy that so then you say, ah, oh, I've already davened. which is of course a school be error because you don't realize that they're calling you at, like just two minutes after Minfiger Dole has begun and you're like, you, and you, you couldn't have diving because there hasn't been enough time for you to do so so they say, oh, oh, sorry, I meant chakris, I meant chakras. So what happens is, it's like, the this, this stake starts to take over your life until it throws Trili down the drain, and then, then it starts, lies start to come in, and then it they, they creates more lies, until you start to develop whole philosophies. So generally, this happens once, and once it's happened once, it tends to happen again. So what happens is the next time you're in the midst of a meal now it doesn't even have to be a so on steak it can be, you simply, you know munching down your pastrami sandwich which I'm not scoffing at and someone calls for mincha but you've already come up, as, it seems familiar so this rationalization sounds true so you say, no, I'm going to dove in later thank you now what happens when you, when you dove in later is the mystical communion that you anticipated between you and the creator in the forest actually take place? no, of course not what happens is you keep on busy and then you realize oh gosh it's almost sunset I better go and daven and then you can't find a place to daven so you, you just like find a, a room somewhere and you rattle off in three seconds flat provided no one has been calling you for supper because then you could always just daven and marry twice because you're annoying because. <laughs> So because Do you understand how Magdala Atsla inhibit even the potential? You never even get on the train for spiritual growth because there's too much other stuff pulling you in different directions. So that's 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 in terms of that's called tanugim. are tanugim. That's when a person is a pleasure seeker. When you're a pleasure seeker, I'm not talking about you know other terms of illicit pleasures. I'm talking about kind of what's looked upon the world as completely respectable. You never see like people you know protesting outside restaurants saying that this is, this is this is ridiculous. What are you doing here? How dare you go into a restaurant? This is a destruction of humanity. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I mean maybe we should do it. We should start play cards and you should
1: happen in front of McDonald's.
0: Okay, for different reasons, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Not because they felt like, you know, people are indulging in their titus. They felt whatever. Um, so I, I that's where you see where this um, relationship to the physical world becomes distorted. And as a result of this distortion of our relationship to the physical world, it has a lot of toxic implications, first of all for for emotional development at a basic level and obviously for something more sophisticated which is spiritual development. But then, on the other hand, who's going to give up their steak? Who's going to give up their cake and chocolate? Who's going to give up? And I hate to to do it to you in this, who's going to give up their you're going to give it the rugelach for?
1: Yeah, I don't care for
0: a rugelach. Okay, so we found your strong spot. <laughs> it could be a din in your in your taste buds, not a din in the <laughs> rugelach. <laughs> Nevertheless, the point is that you see this. You see that 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 physical physical pleasures limit. They limit. They limit, and they distort, and they stop spiritual development. Spiritual development, even meaning in the science of integrity, I'm. I'm I don't want to go into the field of the temptation, other temptations of the flesh. Because I think there it's blatantly obvious to the degree that the expression, the word cheating, has become associated with infidelity, having an extramarital affair. When people say, that person's been cheating, the average usage of the word, the normal usage of the word, is in relation to a person having an illicit affair. In other words, it's become synonymous. So you see that that's that's a product that's a product of physical desire. A person who has a family and a relationship, what's going to pull him away from something which can be a long standing, deeply fulfilling connection to another for a temporary fling is not going to be his rational sound self. It's going to be something else. Something else. Yes. So you see that this the the, the involvement in the things which Accentuate physicality, deprive us of a spiritual connection. There's an actual deprivation that starts to occur. Um, and when that deprivation starts to occur, this is a Kiddush of Atlas, when that deprivation starts to occur, Taiva brings in its wake depression. Because the Ramchal says over here that the foundation of Atlas is the suppression of self. This expression of self, we've termed as Afar. Afar meaning when a person's latent potential is buried, he senses it on a certain level, and he bears the deep frustration of not being able to express himself in the truest sense, which becomes a very depressing thing. And it manifests inactivity, and inactivity leads to inactivity, and it leads to a state, a brooding, sad state of mind. that's really really bad. It's really not good. That's not healthy for anyone. And you see people, you see fascinating stories about people, let's say, who have overcome a struggle with weight. I recently read a story about a man. I think his weight was 500 pounds. 500 pounds. And he describes how he couldn't, he literally would leave his house four or five times a year. He wouldn't be able to get out. He couldn't walk more than a few meters because his, his body couldn't contain the weight. And he was obviously diagnosed with a, a series of maladies. And he tried fair diets here and there, but he never really succeeded. And he went into this diet, and he lost over 330 pounds. Like, he was, he like requested surgery but whatever didn't he felt there's something wrong with putting it in something else's and he, like made this decision and he literally changed his entire relationship to food. And the modern thrust in dieting is to move away from the notion of a diet. Because a diet by implication means that it's a aberration from your normal set of eating and to redefine your relationship with food and ultimately the the direction that it's going in look at food as something that's there to make you live and not to kill you it seems so simple now one of the articles I've read recently is it says that when a person eats in tune with his body what happens is that everything starts to work better because if you only eat when you're hungry it means now you're eating at a point in time when the body has given you the thumbs up Move for more food, so obviously it's digested easier, and it kind of creates a cycle of a person on a purely physical level being in a very different place. So, you see how another kind of effect of Atzlus is when a person overeats, he literally becomes inactive. It's the post Shabbos chalent Shloth. And one of the most glorious things about Shabbos is overeating at lunch and feeling like almost incapable. Inca- I mean, I, I have to, I have to stumble to my room. I can't walk. I stumble to my room after I've had like three helpings too many. So I'm like, I'm feeling so grotesquely stuffed that the sleep doesn't come upon me. It oppresses down on me. I mean, like I wake up bamboozled three hours later and try to find my bearings and, and then I realize I'm religious and I'm in Jerusalem and all kinds of stuff.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yes, so that's, 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 that's a problem, that's a problem. That creates us, and that deprives us from spiritual connection. Some of the other things that the Ramchal says affect our hatred of, of effort. So again, um, for this, we invented the remote control. In other words, that the thrust of modern technology is to limit the amount of effort needed to do anything. So, when a person becomes habituated in this, again, it's extremely limiting. It's extremely. I, I was shocked when, when you know, in the area of mitzvahs, people always in calm. You had to. I think you had to bid get the honor of sweeping the base medrash. It's like an honor. Who got to sweep, sweep the base medrash? So to contrast that, I want to a discussion. In, in South Africa, because there's not a really significant reform movement, so all shuls are orthodox. So having the accessories at reform temples um, proffer isn't really a part of the South African culture. So when I was speaking to a person, and they were discussing their pathway back to Judaism, and they mentioned the fact that they were really surprised, they felt really not at home when they walked into an Orthodox shul. So I said, well, what are the kind of things that kind of made you feel uncomfortable? I said, first of all, you know, like, where was the button on the bimmer to open Orin Kadesh? Mm. (laughs) And like, you know, and like, having men and women separate, and like, not having like musical instruments, I thought it was like really, really odd, really odd, really strange. Why do people have to actually go up and open the curtains? I mean, there's an easier way, just press the button. And you kind of, You did that?
1: No, I was oh. going to bring up a point that I remember in elementary school, the teacher would always say to the students, who wants to be the monitor, which is the person who goes to wipe the board or to sweep and things like that, and everybody would raise their hand. It was an exciting thing to do. Now one would probably because they seemed maybe more important, but excluding that, it was also to get out of your seat because you're sitting there with Atslus and when you get out, you're moving around. So somewhere along the line, we've lost that feeling of like I want to do that, you know. Like
0: it's not the only thing we've lost, Phil. Mm. Have you seen a child? I will introduce you to some some of my children. Maybe like on every afternoon, from like four till six, and um, you you speak to a child in the course of say three sentences, the word why will come at at least come up at least three hundred times. Because a child's got this incredible. Curiosity about the world, and I want to know everything that and how it works, and why it works, and when does it work, and what happens to us. We could literally have like a Martian landing in front of us, and you would say, "Sorry, sorry, no way, move aside." Do you speak English? You green monster, move aside. Like we, we what what happened? Like the kind of the whole whole system is closed down. So so the one option is to maybe to go back to nursery school and learn the tricks, or maybe we can do something with ourselves right now. But that's the other thing. So it's this, this kind of this, this, this lethargy. Samuel, you'd like to share something with us? Are you sure? Asha? So there's this, this, this lethargy, lethargy which sets in at some stage of our lives. And we, and we look for every possible way. I mean, I've illustrated before that when I'm sitting and learning at a table and I need to pick up a, a reference book, So my first reaction is to look and see if it's within arm's length. And if it's not, so then I I rethink if I really need it. And if I really do need it, so then eventually I'll spend those extra five seconds getting it. And it's bizarre. Five seconds worth of effort I'm trying to save myself. Um, It will often happen with me when, uh, in the most, check yourself, create a self-awareness of how many effort-saving devices you put into play in your everyday life. You know, the way you arrange your shoes in the morning for more convenient slip-on. I mean, if, done, if you do that. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes it's for convenience and efficiency. Other yeah. times it's for... It's interesting... It that
1: makes sense to do that. Well,
0: it, it's interesting how, how efficiency efficiency and um, ATSUS can often become confused. In other words, like, the thrust of technology is not to make you into a mushroom to make you freed up, so you can do lots of different things. to make you efficient. But the pr- the often the result is you become a, a mushroom. I don't I mean you personally. What I'm saying is that when you're given, essentially the reason why you have all these accessories is to free you up, free up to spend time on the important things in life. But what actually happens is you spend time on the accessories and you don't actually get freed up for the important things in life. So all it really does is it makes you inactive, even though in terms of efficiency it's superb. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. You're not going to like this example which is one of the reasons why I'm giving it. The, I think it was the Brisker Rav. I, I, think, I think it was in regard to him, but if not the, the story has value in its own right. Who, who never owned a kettle. Now if you don't own a kettle and you want a cup of tea it means you have to go and you have to make a fire and you have to get water and I just imagine like you know your average cup of tea that used to what making a cup of tea meant back in the day it was a a proper mission a proper mission but at the end of the day what you did is you actually made a cup of tea now I'm positive that the cup of tea that you drink after lighting the fire hoisting up the water from the well pouring it into the teapot taking the tea leaves And gently straining them in the teapot after the water is boiled, after 20 minutes, however long it will take, I imagine that that cup of tea is amazing. On the other hand, when you have a kettle, so you can make the same cup of tea, and I'm sorry, using tea as an American context and kettle and pot in the same breath, Uh, coffee, same thing. So when you have that cup of coffee or tea, so it's, it's very efficient. You saved yourself 25 minutes of useless labour. But you understand that you lost something in the process. So for example, I'll give, an e- I'll give you an example in Halacha. You've got two shuls. One shul is closely located and one shul is further away. And you have an option, let's say, in terms of the davening, both shuls have equal davening attraction. Which shul should you go to? So the Halacha says, go to the shul further away, because then you get the effort of going there. In terms of efficiency, it's far less efficient, because what about all the things you could have done when you're walking to that show? So sometimes you see that there's actually intrinsic value to effort alone at the cost of efficiency. Isn't that
1: the only point? We're not it's graded that. on an objective curve on how much we do, it's how we do it. I mean, there is an objective standard, but that's not the ICC so what are you saying? you agree? agree yeah, my, saying. my only problem is yeah. what I want to bring out is it's not the idea that people are getting sucked into the materialness. It's that to them that is the most purposeful thing. They just lack clarity on what their purpose is. I, I just, that was my only thing. Like I, I see that, but when I have no reason for doing anything why not get the most pleasure that I can? It you mean like it's like
0: not? It's not? It's not? It's not like the way I'm presenting it is that we've got all these know. Like, you know you don't know the word. You know, the way I'm presenting it is that there's a pull going in one direction and it's being overcome by pulling in a different direction. You say there's no counter pull. When yeah. you're in that world, there's no horror. There's me. Yes and no. I'm saying oh. in the horror world, there's no pull. Like why
1: not just do this? Why
0: not? What's what's
1: like? I don't. I don't have. There's no. End goal There's so, no so, world to come There's no so I'm, I'm That's saying not real to me yet you,
0: there's, two, there's two points I think yeah. even in that world Even in that world A sensitive thinking person Can see the distraction
1: But still Even if you see the destruction You don't have something To latch onto You
0: Just don't think, have an alternative
1: Exactly So It's kind of like people That stay in abusive relationships Because Okay obviously it's bad for you But Yeah but there's no alternative In that world that they're in There is no other option I'm I'm saying clearly it's bad, but it's, even if I understand it's bad, it's all I have and it's all I've experienced. So if I don't have awareness of something else, then why would I have Jesus for it? What's the example? Like, for example, some like what I was trying to figure out like with your example of the old Bob problems is that it just seemed like they were shifting the mindset from Oh, I've been shifting all of my purpose and focus towards money, money, money. Oh, and now it's just God. So I'm just shifting the focus to oh, so torah Torah, torah Torah. Not the inner workings of what's really going on. So here it's more so like, okay, so I've just shifted my external focus of purpose here to another external focus of purpose here as opposed to the actually effort and what I'm trying to get out of it and do with it. So all of a sudden, they've been shown this other per- this other thing, but it's amazing, but it's still kind of the shell of it. They've been shown something, but nowadays, I feel like the problem is that we just don't have any awareness of that whatsoever. And even when you come to Israel, it's just kind of like a lot of people just kind of go, okay, yeah, so it's a similar kind of like, all right, it's my life. It just kind of looks like this now. But it's still not addressing the root of the problem, which is the, like clarity like, Okay, so this is how you did things before. Well, now this is just how you do it,
0: but it's still a very external thing. I think, I think I'm getting a sense. Okay, fortunately we ran out of time, but we have to, um, yeah, we have to explore this further. I think this is a relevant topic. I think it's something that we all deal with on a, on a daily basis. And uh, it's, I think it's, a, it's an apt continuation of Jesus. And Jesus, again, is the first step in our, in our growth. And we have to think about what we thought about previously was the way we move our bodies. And now we've added on to that the way we relate to the physical world. And we've, I suppose, discussed um, how food plays a crucial role in that. And uh, now we're moving on to accessories of inactivity, which create efficiency but sacrifice effort. So let's see where this takes us, jean Thank you.